the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like we were just here. <laughs> we were. <laughs> yeah. Recording again. For the second time in one week. Mm-hmm. But I'm super excited for this episode. And would you rather, I we got off the phone for would you rather when we mm-hmm. like finished up recording and we we're like, damn, that episode was so good. That was so fun It was fun so to fun. I yes. mean, we really, we talked about how amazing it was before we hung up and then after we even texted each other like wow can't wait for this to come out (laughs) i think i texted you like we should just make a list of other episodes that are like not research heavy and super fun like that Mm -hmm. one that we can just pull out anytime we need it because that was lay back yeah that was great hopefully you guys listening enjoyed that um we're back uh, again for our yeah. bonus episode today. Mm-hmm. American Hustle Life, the one that actually got voted on. Right. This is the one that won. <laughs> right. um, but it took a lot of research. A lot mm-hmm. of research. We had to, I mean, I enjoyed doing it, going and watching all eight episodes of American Hustle Life because I've never done that before. And neither had you, Kayla. So No, me neither. It was, it was fun to do, but it was time consuming. So that's why this is coming out a week kind of after we did voting. Right. We did spend like a solid two weeks researching this in between Mm -hmm. like the other episodes, but it was super, super fun to do. Um, So we want to say welcome back, guys. Yeah. Welcome back. I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany. And this is Standing BTS. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to another wonderful episode where we get to hang out for about an hour and just talk about BTS. What a wonderful hour it is, too. But disclaimer, this is a comedy fangirl podcast. That means that we're going to fangirl, laugh, and learn a little bit along the way. Yep, that's right. This is an explicit podcast, though, so if you aren't cool with that, you can dip out now. We won't blame you. Totally. But if you're down for some, Minjoon was alive in 2014. They are such a fucking OTP. (laughs) They were alive then. 
Or I love how Taeyang hops on trends and posted a picture of himself with the face app aging filter. <laughs> yes, it was literally the best thing to wake up to this morning. <laughs> yeah, everyone on Twitter was so happy that he did that because, of course, ARMY was already applying this filter to BTS pictures. Right. And then Taeyang <laughs> was like, went in and did it himself. It was right. really great. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, So if you want to talk about all of that, then you're in the right place. Obviously, like we said, today we are going to talk about American Hustle Life, which you guys voted in as our bonus episode topic for reaching 300 reviews on iTunes. Thank you guys so Mm, much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But before we get into it, we have to thank you wonderful, amazing armies for being here and for supporting us. If you are a fan of this show and you want to show your support for us, you can do that by telling people about the podcast, by writing a review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And then if you would like to go above and beyond and show us some extra support, you can do that by donating monthly to our Patreon at patreon.com slash standing BTS. Or if you'd like, you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash standingbtspodcast. Your guys' support helps us to improve the quality of our content and to continue putting out weekly episodes. Any type of support that you guys offer to us is super appreciated. We're glad to be here. (laughs) We're Mm -hmm. glad you guys are here with us. Um, Very excited for American Hustle Life. Yes. So this is going to be... I don't know if it's going to be a lengthy episode or not. We just kind of in our hearts feel that way. So we're going to skip <laughs> content of the week for this and week. And you guys just, just got content of the week from us yesterday. Yeah, like, yeah. it's been a day. <laughs> it's been a day for some people. Um, right. But we're just going to go ahead and get into this episode. So American Hustle Life. It is a reality TV show that BTS were on. It was a total of eight episodes, and the episodes were approximately 22 to 48 minutes each. But I would like to say they were closer to 48 minutes each. Yeah. I don't know if there was a single one that was 22. I don't know where we found this, but... I think the first episode and the first one only was like 22, and the rest of them were like an hour long. Yeah, pretty much. It originally aired on Mnet from July 24th, 2014 to September 11th, 2014. What ends up happening in this reality TV show is that BTS, they spend two weeks in L.A. with hip-hop tutors, and they have to carry out these different missions in order to experience true hip-hop culture or the American hustle. Right. Um, so they thought when they were going to the U S that they were going to work on an album. Um, but once they get there, they're surprised to find out that they'll be working with these hip hop legends. And like you said, learning the American hustle life, Mm -hmm. um, the official website of the show says that it was quote, 100% location reality that contains the growth period of BTS um, and that it also answers the question, will they be able to overcome the unfamiliar American culture without any preparation and grow to the next level through the home of hip hop? Um, so these are the kind of the things that that are kind of themes that we see throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, although we will say, like, I just want to preface all of this. It says 100 percent location reality. Yeah, no, no way. There's no way. <laughs> And that's just the reality of it because reality TV shows can only be so real as like a form of entertainment. They're like mostly scripted, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it's clearly scripted. 
maybe they don't Mm -hmm. tell them exactly what to say, but they definitely are telling Mm -hmm. them you're going to be doing this. You're going to do that or whatever. So, yeah, I think part of their missions were real, like what BTS were doing. But as far as the cast and a lot of the the dialogue that was used, Mm -hmm. it was a bit scripted. Sure, for for sure. sure. Um, (laughs) the stretch right so there is um a lot of casts that we see throughout the episode some of the biggest ones that we get to see are coolio and warren g um and then we also see tony and nate waka and dante um Mm -hmm. kind of in throughout especially tony and nate those are like one of their main mentors throughout the episodes they're kind of like their hosts yeah like they're like they're, they're in the they like they're in live the in room, the dorms. like dorm with them, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're house daddies. Mm-hmm. So we're really gonna just go episode by episode and talk about the main things that really happened and a lot of the familiar events that you guys have seen in like gifs or compilation videos, etc. Like those things that reappear. Um, but then also, we're really just gonna be talking about the lessons that BTS learned while doing this, the controversies that went along with American Hustle Life, all that kind of, all that stuff. Yeah, and also just kind of like our reactions and what we think about the different things that happen. Like this is definitely not going to be a scene by scene what goes on in American Hustle Life because it's been Mm -hmm. out for five years. We'll leave links of where we watched it. You guys can go watch it or you've already seen it. So yeah, yeah. and I encourage you guys to go watch it if you haven't because we haven't. And I'm so glad we did. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Okay. So for episode one, what really struck me right at the beginning is when they were leaving from Korea and they were arriving in LA at the airport is that they already had fans waiting there at the airport for them back in 2014. Yeah. Cheering them on, holding their like school of affair albums, which was just endearing to see that even back in 2014, they had some sort of support, not a huge fan base, yeah, but, but a have, pretty decent size. Yeah, to have people at the airport, I feel like is a big yeah. deal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but when they arrived, something that I just wanted to mention that isn't really all that well known is when they were walking in the streets at the beginning, just to like experience LA and be there for like the first time for a lot of them. Hobie came across this like street dancer. And he, like, kind of challenged him. And to me, I'm like, wow, what an extrovert. And, like, I think the street dancer was like, whoa, this guy's kind of (laughs) good. Yeah. Hobie just walked up to him with, like, full confidence and, like, Mm -hmm. facial expressions and everything getting into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No fear. Courageous. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do that. No, me neither. Um, I think like, so that was really cool. Like there definitely were cool little moments like that of like Mm -hmm. their arrival in LA and like them feeling, you know, kind of exploring around a little bit, but to us, the main thing that we really wanted to talk about in episode one is the whole kidnapping scene that happens. Mm -hmm. So this is basically like, I guess in the story of the show to go from BTS thinking they're there just to like work on their album you know they think they're Mm -hmm. going back to hotel they think like there's offices there that they're going to be working in um this is like the transition from that into them doing like this reality show with all of these little challenges and learning things so like 
the way that they do this is by like staging a kidnapping of BTS. Um, and there's so many problems with this. Um, Mm -hmm. so basically like the manager was like, I have to go pick something at the office. You guys just stay in the van. So they're like in this big idling van in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And then three black men come up and like open all the doors and get in the van in in like the front seat and the back seats. And they Mm -hmm. like are yelling at them and intimidating them. And, you know, they're like, we're like, we're taking you back, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is a problem. Like. Besides, like, even just besides them thinking they're being kidnapped, it's, like, the racial undertone and, like, the racial stereotype of it being, like, three black men acting in, like, an intimidating, aggressive way to, mm-hmm. kid, you know, like, kidnap. kidnap. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that, I both of us, when we watched this, obviously struck us it's very wrong. It's seriously fucked up. It's fucked like, up. Like, it's it's bad they should have known better you would think but but no they didn't and then that was on tv so that's Mm -hmm. um and i just think how damaging that is to the black community um for the people that watch this you know like korean audience was the main people intended to watch this show and like you know Mm -hmm. what they must imply about black people from that happening in this show you know Mm -hmm. regardless of if it's reality tv and obviously the whole thing was staged by the producers but Mm -hmm. it just it totally sucks and then they drive them you know across town and they have them all they stop the van have them all get out and then when they're getting out of the van and they're like pushing them into this building there is another black man on the street that they're having like play like a homeless man like I don't think it was an actual homeless man like there I don't think they would have kept that in or had that but like they had this guy yeah they had they casted somebody to go act crazy and like yell at them and be like demanding money and like trying to like grab them and it was very fucked up to like have like what's even the purpose of having a role like that I, I, I can't even fathom yeah, what and it would they, be. they also played upon, like, a stereotype of homeless people that yeah. are, you know, like, mentally unstable or psychotic or whatever, or on drugs or et cetera. It's just, it's shitty the, that these stereotypes are being, like, demonstrated in this American hustle life and mm-hmm. then being broadcasted to people all around the world. That so this is the first taste of America. Dangerous yeah. black men that are going to come kidnap you and a homeless man who's gonna yell at you and threaten you like Mm -hmm. that's the i mean it's so fucked up so wrong Mm -hmm. on so many levels and Mm -hmm. we would be incredibly remiss if we did not rant about it for a little bit yeah and then when they finally get all of the members inside what they will come to find is their dorm area Mm -hmm. they sit them on the couch and then they they interrogate them further and like degrade them by making them take off their hats, take off their shoes, take off their socks, like take off one shoe, take off one sock shit, like traumatizing stuff that happens to people who actually do get kidnapped Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. But like, it's just seeing all of BTS in this situation. They're terrified. And I can't imagine how terrifying this must've been. Yeah, I mean, 
we debated when we saw this, like, obviously because so much of this show is obviously scripted, like, did they know? Did they know that this was going to happen? And I think when you go back and watch, like, Hobie's initial reaction in the van where he like literally jumps and like scooches up closer to Namjoon because he's so surprised and scared about what's going on or like mm-hmm. Jungkook's face where he just Jungkook gives oh like God. to me Jungkook is like okay this they don't know what's going on they yeah. really don't know what's going on mm-hmm. this is their true reactions this is they know that like they don't understand what's going on they don't know that this is a part of this reality TV show because to their knowledge they really are just in LA working on their album. They think all of their stuff is back at a hotel. Like, so, I mean, we talked a lot about the issues with this from a racial and like a, you know, a homeless, you know, epidemic standpoint, but we didn't even talk about how the members are feeling throughout this because like you said, they're terrified. It's unethical. The whole thing is unethical. I mean, it's, it's traumatizing at the least for the members Mm -hmm. um, and very wrong and nasty racial undertones Mm -hmm. and undertones about the homeless population. Yeah. So (laughs) that's episode one. (laughs) (laughs) That's episode one. And, and I think that's the, one of the largest controversies about American hustle life is this, quote prank that they played on bts to introduce them and quote break them into this american hustle life Mm. um so let's get into episode two so this episode begins with bts performing for coolio um so this is the first time in the series that we actually get to see bts for who they are an incredible band with such talent um Mm -hmm. they just in this little performance in this little crappy dorm they are perfectly like in in time with each other and singing rap very very well so it was a great little performance they did no more dream or we are bulletproof but either way i remember them doing such a really great job with it because it was super raw the whole thing was raw their the space in which they had was really minimal I don't think they had a track playing or anything. They just kind of were like rapping and singing and dancing and keeping to the beat without any sort of extra uh, source or metronome or anything to keep them in time. Mm-hmm. And like it was impressive. And Coolio did say like that was pretty good. Like yeah. that was that was good. Which was cool that he was impressed because like he was a very harsh uh, critic, a really harsh like mentor that they had. Um, Mm. so in this episode, we get to see kind of their first challenge, uh, which is that they are split into teams, but as a group, they go door to door, just knocking on people's door or trying to find people on the street to perform for. And they, each little team performs and whoever, uh, the person enjoys the most gets the team's rice cake. Uh, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, they won that little one. Um, Mm -hmm. to me, like just the act of them having to go knock on random strangers doors. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that any of the people that they necessarily talked to, or maybe like one of them was like scripted and planned, but they did actually have to go like knock on doors, like go pound the pavement to try to find people Mm -hmm. to perform for. So that was a little cringy, but in the end it was very cute. Like they were all excited about doing it. They were working hard and you know, they had a good time I think overall. 
Yeah, I agree. And so the reward for their like performances, uh, I can't remember who ended up winning. Um, I think J-Hope, Jimin, and Jungkook, they mm-hmm. ended up winning. Um, but the reward was getting to eat dinner with Coolio and his friends. And it looked like from the little clip that we got to see of it, it looked like they had actually like a really good time. Yeah. But then the punishment was that v- V-Mon, I think they ended up losing the whole thing. <laughs> I really, I will go off about Young and how like mistreated I felt he was and Namjoon both. I felt like got mistreated during this. All of them were, but when they ended up losing, they had to wait on Yoonjin, which was just kind of funny because yeah. they weren't waiting on like any staff or like part of the crew. Like they were waiting on their own members. So it was like a little bit better (laughs) not too bad not that bad of a punishment right but in this episode there's a really famous clip of when they like would go in the morning every morning for American Hustle Life Nate and Tony would go in or whoever would they would just like start yelling and screaming and like touching the members and shaking them to like wake up like it was the worst alarm clock for them (laughs) sometimes like literally scooping them up and carrying them out of bed and like plopping them onto Mm -hmm. the couch yeah super funny (laughs) but they end up waking up Hobie and they mention that Hobie's like not in any clothes but he's just not he didn't wear a shirt to bed and so this is that like I Ooh, uh, you can beat that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. <laughs> that really well-known clip of mm. Hobie shirtless, kind of just like barely rubbing his hands over his chest and stomach to try to cover himself up. <laughs> Fluffy hair, like still like Sleepy. half asleep. Oh yeah. my God. He That was 2014 and he looked so fucking good. Uh, yeah <laughs> like it's 2019 now you know uh, imagine imagine <laughs> um anyway so uh in this episode they also have to make meals for coolio and whoever makes well they also have to like dance or rap and sing while making a meal which was really strange anyways they had to make some sort of food or meal for Coolio, and while they did it, they had to sing, rap, or dance, all kind of all three. And whoever ended up winning got to go shopping with Coolio. Mm-hmm. And to me, this performance particularly is well known of Nam June and Young because this is the part where like Young tried to like make those little ponytails like Coolio. Yeah. And Coolio was just so repulsed. Like he couldn't even look at him. He turned around and looked at the camera and everything. He was so so mad. He was not like mm -hmm. Coolio was not, I'm supposed to be rude because the producers told me to be rude, mad. He was legitimately felt disrespected legitimately like pissed off that these two are like have the gall (laughs) to perform whatever they had been performing for him yeah yeah Yeah. i think like namjoon walked in with like an eminem song like they were doing like different rap songs like it was kind of painful to watch it was cringy it's like yikes yeah But not, not it great. was still it was it was funny, but that's just one of the more well known things from this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so not for me to be the negative one about uh, the end of an episode again, but 
where we were kind of at the end of this episode too, especially uh, because of some of the the things that Coolio said to various members of BTS throughout this episode and just like the general way that he was acting towards them and um, the things they had to do. We kind of were like, this feels like hazing. It's um, totally hazing. It, I mean, we we went through sorority recruitment. We went through mm-hmm. Greek life recruitment. We were not hazed, but we know all about hazing because they made such a big fucking deal about it. Because like, yeah. if you do any kind of hazing in Greek life nowadays, like, I mean, your your chapter is going to get kicked off campus. Um, mm-hmm. But so like, we know what it's like. And just watching this episode, I think the most cringy or the most like painful part about watching it was that hazing feel you know like where they would like tell bts to do something and then like get mad at them for doing it or like make fun of them or like talk shit or talk down um we're kind of like we understand this is like a boot camp you know like for them to get into you know or learn about american hip-hop but like really at many points through these first two episodes, BTS was spoken to quite harshly, rudely in a bullying manner. And what really stood out to me was like exploiting this language barrier that BTS had because like, sometimes it was clear they had a translator Mm -hmm. with them. Like, you know, they obviously cut those parts out, but like other times it seemed like BTS had to kind of just sit there and listen to somebody yell at them. And then they all looked like on their faces, they were just trying to figure out what would go on. And sometimes Mm -hmm. Namjoon would be like translating for them, like, Oh, he said this and giving them little Mm -hmm. shorthand notes, like as they went. So it was like these people who were in these first few episodes felt like they could just say anything, you know, and they kind of get away with it because BTS wasn't understanding what was truly going on or what was truly being said to them. It was, yeah, it was shitty Yeah, that I think a lot of what they said, they kind of took advantage of because of that like language barrier. Mm -hmm. So really like there's, even though like we, I'm ending this episode two on a lower point. There was, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of high and low points in these first two episodes so far. So I think I said, we have a quote here that I said, this show is a roller coaster when we were watching it because there's so much like success in one part and then very low points in another part, which I guess Mm -hmm. it's reality TV, you know? Yeah, definitely. I I felt the same way when you said it's a roller coaster. I'm like, yeah, because I don't know how to feel right now because there are such shitty parts. But then you can see these like kind of impactful moments for BTS. Right. Um, And it just wasn't ever consistent. I was like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) But it does get a little better. It does. I will say after episode one and two, things get a little better. They definitely improve. I feel like that hazing kind of thing is over. Yeah. So then we get into episode three, which is where they learn like dancing and choreography and b-boying and hip hop dancing. So they end up their tu- their tutor for learning dancing is Jenny Kina, and they seemed very excited about this. She was cool uh, seeing her there. Yeah, and this was actually a really to me a really great episode. I I don't have many poor moments to think to say like there weren't really any low points of the episode so she was she was a really great tutor for them 
So this is the famous episode where Jimin and Namjoon go in the middle of like this dance area and you see the members around them. And part of the choreography that they have to do for their challenge is twerking. And Nam just Namjoon painfully like <laughs> white man underbite kind of thing, mm-hmm. trying to twerk. Like, ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not great. It's funny. Jimin's wasn't like better either though. Like but both of them were were bad. Yeah. <laughs> This is also the episode where Jungkook, Yoongi, and Taeyang all go to the beach, and then they go and eat at a restaurant. But on the beach, what we noticed, or what I really noticed right from the start there was, hey, all of the cameras we've seen have been from like a cameraman, but this is the first time that we see a camera where Jungkook is filming Yoongi and Taeyang. Yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, back in 2014... 16-year-old Jungkook is already taking the camera away from the cameraman and filming his members. Yes, already taking an interest (laughs) in it. I just like, this is truly one of my favorite little things about American Hustle Life, like to notice and to connect with them now and Mm -hmm. like what we know about them because it was like back then he already had the love and the desire and like had started to do it. And this is not the only time that he takes the camera. Like we probably Mm -hmm. won't mention all the other times, but like throughout these remaining episodes, there are many times where it says like Jungkook cam and he's Mm -hmm. going around filming and it's just the best. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, so one of my favorite parts of, episode three is Minjoon going to watch fireworks. Um, Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be like working on their, their dance, um, but they just weren't very inspired and they were in like really busy areas working on the dance. And I think they were both a little self-conscious about that. It was like the producers are like stand here at these steps by this museum and develop Mm -hmm. a dance here. And there's like all people around and I think they were getting frustrated. So yeah, they kind of like walked downtown and they saw all these people. They couldn't believe they were like, this is the most people we've seen since being in LA. It's crazy. And it was the 4th of July. So it was like all people downtown for fireworks and they just happened to celebrating. Yeah. So, um, Mm. this is very cool. Just, uh, when they were walking down closer to the fireworks, uh, Namjoon said something like, you know, they say that you're supposed to go see fireworks with someone you love. And then they both tell each other that they love each other. Um, and my, one of my favorite parts is just that, uh, Namjoon like was so inspired from looking at these fireworks so inspired (laughs) that he like struck with inspiration that he just started freestyle rapping. Um, Mm -hmm. and he says, life is just like fireworks. We foresee our own possibilities, but it shines for a short moment and then disappears just like those fireworks. And that's life. And he just believe that that is something that he came up with on a whim, just, watching fireworks yeah and it was just so deep it's so poetic (laughs) like for seeing possibilities like being able to shine for a short moment and then disappearing Mm -hmm. like wow namjoon but like to me this just was one of those moments where we get to see the true genius and the true philosophical Mm -hmm. thinker that namjoon is that he was Mm -hmm. just inspired by this you know beautiful setting and just had yeah. to let it out in this little freestyle rap. I just thought it was very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's very special. Uh, I loved that that moment for Minjoon mm-hmm. <laughs> and just getting to see Namjoon freestyle that yeah. like on a whim. Incredible. But at the end of this episode is where they all come together and they all have to perform their choreographies uh, with the key elements of the choreography that they were given. I don't know if we ever really went through the teams that they kind of have throughout, but it's not like it really matters. But at the very end, (laughs) what they do is they take the weakest member from each group to do a dance battle against these like L.A. really good hip hop dancers. Right. Like street dancers or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get to see like Yoongi Go and Namjoon and everything, but... Then they bring out the good dancers, their their best dancers. So Jimin and Hobie and Jungkook compete mm-hmm. against these these street dancers or these LA hip hop dancers. Right. And so for what was so special to me was that like Jimin ended up winning against this American hip hop dancer which is very and cool he looked so confident while he did it too like he got in the guy's face like okay like i'm just like intimidating him yeah which is very to me unlike jimin but at the same time is but seeing this unapproachable bethany that, he's yeah, unapproachable I know, but he's like he's 18 and doing this so true but as yeah. you're saying this i'm thinking about the confidence that like all three of them and even like Yoongi that they were bringing forward in their dance battles. And it's almost like since being thrown into the situation they're in Mm -hmm. here and like filming this show in LA, this is maybe one of the first things that they're like, okay, I know this, this is my element. Like I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so like Jungkook, Jimin, J-Hope, their confidence is through the roof doing this dance battle. Especially Hobie. Oh yeah. Especially Hobie. And for me, during this dance battle, it was very clear that he was the best damn dancer there. Even from yeah. oh yeah, even from 2014. Clearly the best. And I think this is maybe one of the first time that the viewers can see just how incredibly talented and skillful Hobie is with is with dancing. Mm-hmm. And so I mean just seeing him, he won, I think, two. They ended up having him go against another guy who was, like, even better than the first guy. And he still won. And yeah. Jenny did not hesitate to say, like, Hobie's the winner. It right. clearly. <laughs> I loved the look on the competitors' faces just mm-hmm. going up against Hobie because when you're in a dance battle like that or, you know, something, you know, any kind of like a rap battle or whatever, I think the kind of point is like, you don't lose mm-hmm. your chill. You have the most confidence and bravado and like mm-hmm. put yourself out there and dominate. And so these guys were trying to still do that, but you can't, mm-hmm. you can't do that against Jung Hosok. You can't compete. Like yeah. he was so far yeah. beyond in skill level. It was, it was just really great and and just so amazing to see a South Korean dancer outbeat the like confidence cocky American hip hop dancer yeah in in America like yeah. doing this i think yeah. they were caught off guard i don't think I they think were they were too it. i don't think yeah. they were either um and so like we definitely got to end episode 3 on a very good note with like a complete win for Bantan mm-hmm. and I felt like, fucking proud. Good. I felt yes. fucking proud. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was Hobie. like, how come I've never watched this? 
Okay, so moving on to episode four. We don't have a ton about episode four. Honestly, like, Mm -hmm. it was... There's some cool points, but it's a lot of other things. So just in general, they spent a good chunk of time doing chores. They were like, it's chore day. Um, A lot of you guys have seen these clips of, like... Uh, them doing chores like for example Namjoon and Jimin cleaned the dorm you guys I'm sure have seen the clip of them like in the bathroom cleaning and Namjoon Mm -hmm. teaching Jimin the word disgusting and then he counts and then they say disgusting and you know whatever (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yoongi and Taehyung and Jungkook went and did the laundry this was another Mm -hmm. moment where Jungkook had like his own camera and he was going around filming and it made me think of like all the times that he's filmed himself doing laundry, um, mm-hmm. kind of his thing. So it is cool. his thing. And <laughs> it's like his designated <laughs> chore. Right. And uh, he also showed him putting his stuff separate. He like got extra quarters and like uh, he stole like a little detergent from the other two members that they had sitting there. And he went and washed his clothes separate, which just made me think of like how he always used to have to have like his own thing his own yeah Mm -hmm. um and then arguably the easiest chore not even a chore in my opinion uh jen and hobie got to go to the grocery store and go grocery shopping they lucked out they loved it (laughs) they lucked out lucked out they did and i think they had a lot of fun doing it i i mean Mm -hmm. when they got back they like cooked but oh my god no they did not cook like (laughs) hobie i'm mentioning this because i love what he did at one part but he like flattened out bread and put like american cheese on it and rolled it up and then microwaved it and was like here's food like come and eat like yeah tried how about disgusting right there like that was pretty bad (laughs) not not (laughs) Not great But the best part, what's what's memorable about this is when the microwave was beeping to signal that it, he was it was done, he was like dancing. Mm-hmm. He just started dancing to the beat of the microwave. Yeah. And it's such a Hobie thing. It was super cute. So I had to mention mm-hmm. it. Um, rhythm is life. Life is rhythm. <laughs> so Quote true. Hobie for mm-hmm. his lyrics for regulation. Yes. Um, so <laughs> the... the I'm the jumping ma- ahead. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, the main part of this episode is that BTS meets Warren G, who is like, just like Coolio, a classic American hip hop artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see, for me, I especially noticed Namjoon and Yoongi's reaction to meeting Warren G. Yoongi's reaction was so pure and like he was so mm-hmm. excited because you can tell at least those two members knew who he was and kind of knew yeah, how knew big of a deal this mm-hmm. guy was yeah yeah uh that was definitely special getting to see them react that way like shit this is this is great like we get to work with this really well-known uh very talented hip-hop artist yeah um so what was neat too about it is like before they got into any sort of uh missions or things that they had to do for this episode Warren G just kind of like hung out with them and he took them around Compton, like his neighborhood, his neck of the woods. He was telling them where he grew up, like houses where his friends were, where they would hang out, where they would record, where they would whatever, uh, places where they shot some music videos. 
And you could tell that BTS was generally interested in yeah. what he was saying. Like they were wanting to know more and they didn't seem bored with it or bothered by it. Like they were curious to know about like his growing up and his his work and his, you know, development into the hip hop industry. Yeah, and I think Warren G was really happy to share with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was just cool because they're like, this is the type of music that we've been emulating and that we kind of started mm-hmm. as. So it was mm-hmm. cool for them to see the the history and really where it started, where it began. And to talk to somebody who cultivated the culture was very, yeah. very cool for them. Yeah. So at the towards the end of the episode... Warren G says, I want you guys to use like the beat and the melody of Regulate, one of his songs, as their mission. So they had to write their own lyrics for the for Regulate. Mm-hmm. And so they have those groups, Tusok, Minjoon, Yoongi, Taeyang, Jungkook, and they all had to go in and spend time together and develop lyrics for Regulate, their own lyrics. And he told them, I showed you my hometown. I showed you where I grew up, where I came from. I want to know what you guys have to say right. about like what you've gone through you know, to bring that to your lyrics. So it was really interesting to hear the discussions between these particular groups and what they wanted to talk about and write about. And so we'll talk more about it at the end mm-hmm. because episode eight is where we actually get to hear the lyrics and see them performed for the first time. Right. Um, but definitely very, uh, at least uh, in my mind, a very meaningful challenge for them mm-hmm. to undertake during this process of like growing and exploring um, just because they did have to write something true to them and, mm-hmm. you know, work with oh, yeah. somebody in the group that maybe they don't always work with. So very yeah, cool. For sure. Yoongi with Young and Jungkook, I was mm. worried Yeah, <laughs> because they're 16, 17, 18, like in that age, age mm-hmm. range. But at least I, I was like, okay, Yoongi is a fantastic producer and lyricist. Like, I think they're, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be okay. Yoongi was very patient with them. Yeah, and for sure. I think he was, curious to dig a little deeper with them i think so too and they received it well they both really did for being as young and kind of not as mature at the time yeah and then i think like min june as much as i said they were alive and well in 2014 i think Mm -hmm. their writing process um they had to deal with a lot of frustration just like Mm -hmm. not really knowing really spending a lot of time figuring out like melody and like really what they wanted to talk about i think they really struggled to find a topic um yeah and i think jimin had been a little frustrated with the choreography mm -hmm. in the last episode with namjoon because namjoon uh couldn't really keep up with jimin as much as jimin wanted right and so he was a little frustrated so they yeah they had a lot of development and learning and challenges to come across for sure um something we both really loved was two socks writing process that we got to see during this episode mm-hmm. um just seeing jin and hosok open up to each other was uh very cool and something that we rarely get yeah. to see we really thought when we watched it that this was a turning point in their friendship mm-hmm. for for hobie and jen they like i think truthfully became better friends after this yeah, closer, I think so too. A lot closer. I think they definitely understood each other a lot better. 
So um, kind of shifting gears, moving on to episode five. Uh, this episode was all about um, getting ready to film a music video that Warren G was going to direct. So in this episode, they are supposed to be finding good looking women on the street to be in their music video. So um, they learn some pickup tips from Tony and Nate at the dorms uh, to practice picking up girls on the street, um, like what to say, how to approach people to basically ask them uh, to say, hey, you have, you know, the type of look that we want. We want you to come be in our music video. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm for me, I was kind of like, it's a little degrading to be like, let's go approach attractive, you know, like stereotypically yeah. attractive women on the street because mm-hmm. that's what they have in hip hop videos. That's what your video needs to have. Um, I don't know if I were approached on the street by somebody, I would look at them like, who the fuck are you and walk away. So yeah. I yeah. just, but traditionally I kind of get the whole like, Hip hop music videos in America, mm-hmm. especially back then, typically had women in still it. Still now, still yeah. now. I mean, mm-hmm. very. I mean, anything with like a pool party. I mean, like, so. Uh, I'm. I'm not. It I'm definitely not. is degrading because they're like they never said pick up attractive men, women. They said pick up women who like take care of themselves or that like look like who care about their style. Right. They like, like listed off like things to look for if they their were like, nails. if they were like, yeah, it I was, was like, all really, like, it was nails. all physical <laughs> criteria. Obviously they yeah. want like model style women. Um, I'm not really yeah. commenting on the problems with that in society, but that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. so before when they were at the dorm um, and Tony and Nate were kind of like, telling each member their strengths and how they could play to their strengths in order to pick up women. Um, Mm -hmm. or in this case, in order to get them to come to the set of the music video. Yeah. And so they all end up trying to use their strengths to like practice on Tony and Nate first, but something that of course, as a Young bias, what really upset me was that as like Young's weakness, they said that, he was the dumb blonde of the mm-hmm. group. And that was just shitty. And I was like, fuck you. Like, why? You know, that's <laughs> terrible. And then he went on to say, like, but you can use that charisma that you have to pick up girls. And I was like, screw you. <laughs> I just yeah. was mad about it. I was really you know, bitter about it. It's a it's a old, outdated trope about Young, And yeah. this was 2014. So honestly that might even it. have been the source of that bullshit because I'm i i know to it yeah you as a uh Taeyang bias you've t- spoken to me many times about the different times when people have like come after Taeyang or spoken negatively of his like uh intelligence as if people mm-hmm. have any fucking idea because you haven't actually met him you know and yeah. And I know, I know it bothers you. It is dated, though. It's it so is dated. dated. And Young's past it, and he's over it. So we all should be. But I'm still <laughs> better. Anyways, um, so when they go out and do this, it's really a daunting task. Like, they're really just aimlessly walking around the streets, trying to pick up conversation with women passing by, With which, like, if you and I were on the street and some person was, like, some guy was like, I like the way you look or I like your style, I'd be like, Thanks, Fuck okay, you. Bye. bye. And keep walking. Yeah. Um, but 
what was really cute is that like the members got to discuss who they thought were who they thought was going to do the best, and they thought that Nam June and Young would, and so I just thought that was special. But they all they all ended up doing a good job for like being put in that kind of situation, mm-hmm. which sucks. Um, personally, we believe, and from research, that the girls who actually came to the shooting were pre-hired like they had already been filled into this role they had already been talking to the producers of the show um so yeah it was a little the whole thing was unrealistic and weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah so then they waited for the girls to show up to the music video uh and so we got to see that interaction between girls and bts which can be like a little bit awkward and forced at times when you're watching the actual episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they definitely found some sort of way to communicate and have a really fun time. Yeah. I mean, they did have fun together. I did see like um, people on Reddit, I believe, like talking about like people's behind the scenes or like their story of working on the set of American Hustle Life. And they were pretty much like, BTS and these girls only interacted when the producers said, hey, go do this or hey, do that just so they could get it on film. Mm -hmm. And other than that, it was very separate and very awkward, which of course it would be. Not only is there like a huge language barrier, but there's so many like different boundaries that them as idols have and like that they feel are boundaries of respect, like from their culture that, you know, I don't I don't expect them to like be BFS with them on the set. So mm-hmm. it was okay for them. Um, it was kind of, I think, a cool experience for them to film a music video with Warren G. All right. So moving on to episode six, this episode was really fun because all of those groups that we've talked about, Tusak, Minjoon, Taeyang, Jungkook, Yoongi, they all had three different tutors for this for three separate talents which was different. Mm-hmm. So Tusok, they had to learn beatboxing. And what was really funny is when they first started, they had to like find their tutor first. Like they weren't just put in a, in a setting where like, okay, here's your tutor and like introduce them. So like Tusok went around this restaurant embarrassing themselves, just beatboxing to random strangers at this <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> And what was great is that they were in it together. So I feel that the level of embarrassment was a little lower because they had each other. They so were like, not embarrassed. They didn't no, care. Everybody chaotic. was embarrassed They went for up them. and they like started beatboxing to these people. And they're like, nope, not him. Not That's not the person. I love that like the second word out of your mouth was like chaotic because it's so like they, they just don't care. Um, they mm-hmm. I think they had fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. So their hip hop beatboxing teacher was Foz and Foz takes them back to his place to teach them the basics of beatboxing and kind of like assign goals for them and really Foz is one of my like favorite tutors in American Hustle Life for sure he didn't degrade them he didn't intimidate them he was upfront with them he was you know, down to earth with them. He was just there to teach them. Yeah. And that was it. Like he was there to teach them and he treated them well and respected them and was very appreciative of their hard work and effort despite making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like 
when they made mistakes, he didn't make fun of them. You know, they would maybe laugh at themselves and he'd laugh with them and be like, you know, okay, so this is what we can do, blah, blah, blah. Like he just, he instructed them well. Right. And what was great is like, he, I guess he meditates every time he beatboxes or like, this is something he practices and he passed that along to them. And like, I just really loved that because Mm -hmm. they, I think embraced it and they enjoyed doing it too. (laughs) Yeah. I think they really enjoyed it. And I just, I love how he taught them and how patient Mm -hmm. he was and how obviously passionate about beatboxing he was um, Mm -hmm. because I think that really rubbed off on both of them. And by the end of this series, by the end of this episode, um, Foz said to J-Hope and Jin that they are his best and favorite students because of how hard they work. And they all just had so much fun together. They taught him how to say student and teacher. And Mm -hmm. he would say that they would say that back and forth to each other. Just very cool. They had a great relationship. Yeah, in English and Korean. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this really motivated both J-Hope and Jen because we later find out that for their beatboxing, there's like a private video of Hobie practicing in like before bed at 1.30 in the morning. And there's also that video of J-Hope and Jen being totally slap happy, sitting on the ground, just practicing their beatboxing and doing the meditating that Foz had taught them. <laughs> and completely failing. Um, yeah, but yeah. It, it just, overall, the, they're tutor thaws and like their beatboxing instruction was just really great and I think this was impactful for them I think this was a learning experience for both of them I think so too so while they were doing that Namjoon and Jimin were working on break dancing or b-boying which is like another name for the style um I think almost maybe because of in the last dance episode, because of how much Namjoon struggled to like keep up with Jimin at times. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe they taught or taught them a more basic dance or maybe Mm -hmm. this instructor was really just an asshole and underestimating them because they learned the b-boying dance. It was very basic, super beginner moves for street dancing. And I think they could have done more like, Nam June picked it up immediately and was on it and mm-hmm. was doing it just as well as Jimin and the instructor. Um, so maybe they were like, there was no connection with their instructor None. and he was an asshole to them. He was, he Whereas, like had, yeah. he had no patience for them when they were like actually in the dance room practicing. Yeah. Like he seemed like he was like ready to get out of there. Like he had another yeah, commitment. He was not invested. He was not invested at all. He was there for the money and then he peaced out. He didn't give a shit yeah. about them or their music or about this, like, the instruction and teaching he was passing on to them. Like he just, I think showed up for a paycheck. They were like, I don't even know who he was. Right. No, <laughs> it, and it doesn't even matter. Cause he was an asshole. But, um, yeah. like the next day they were supposed to meet up with him in the park to like do an, like another dance practice. And it turned out being like a workout instead. Like he made them work out and, uh, he also made Jimin wear a 20 pound weighted vest to it was make it 20 pounds it was 20 pounds to make it harder on him like they ran laps they did push-ups they did pull-ups like you know some parks have like little workout equipment in the park they kind of like mm-hmm. were using park equipment and doing like a little workout 
and he made Jimin wear this vest and because he was saying that it was too easy for him, which is such bullshit. Like, here I am ranting mm-hmm. like you were ranting about Taeyong <laughs> earlier, but like, I just thought it was so stupid. I'm like, why? Clearly he is tired. Like, are they not yeah. overworked enough? Are you going to make him wear a fucking 20 pound vest and run in it? Like, he's not a Marine, okay? Like, yeah, it's bullshit. It was, it, was. it was so, like, he doesn't need to do that to break dance you know yeah no anyways not at all overall of the tutors minjun got the least informative and passionate of them all like he yeah. sucked he yeah. really sucked i don't know who he was <laughs> again <Whatever>. doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> but on the other side of that going on to oh you wanting to transition for me <laughs> yeah i'll trans I'll, oh, okay. I'll do it on the other side of that going on to taeyang yoongi and jungkook they had an amazing person yeah, so their instructor, their tutor was Iris Stevenson, which Iris Stevenson, she is like the actual person who the character for Sister Act 2 is based upon. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I've never seen Sister Act 2, but now I really want to watch it. And I also feel like it's a sin that I have not seen Sister Act 2. Well, I've seen intended. the first one, um, but like... Not yeah, I haven't one. seen either. I feel yeah. I feel like I need to see it. Like Whoopi Goldberg, I just need to do that. But we got to see her, and she taught them the song "Oh Happy Day," which is the rendition from that movie. And it's super special. Like, oh, we love Iris, and mm. they love Iris. Like the whole experience was just moving. For everyone watching, I yeah. felt, and for them, and for her. Iris was wonderful um, to all of them, and she is such a sweet, kind person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, after watching this, I was like, I want to be a teacher like Iris Stevenson. She still teaches at a Compton High School that is like, she has a choir, like that's what was like in the Sister Act 2, I think, like her Mm -hmm. and her choir was like what it was modeled after um but she was so incredible she boosted jungkook's confidence like in a snap to bring his Mm -hmm. full voice out and gave him a desire to improve his singing that he didn't before have he like said this in a little aside interview that like before debut he didn't really like his singing teacher so he wasn't that passionate about like really working that hard on it he was just happy with where Mm -hmm. he was at but iris inspired him to start working on his singing and realize that he could improve and he could get better and that he should and he wanted to Mm -hmm. which was so cool because now we have Jungkook flying over stadiums with like be- making beautiful runs, singing Euphoria, mm-hmm. and it's like harmonizing ah. freely without you know having it be a part of the track or lots of practice. And would we have that Jungkook without Iris Stevenson? I don't, I don't know. Think so. I don't know. I don't think so. She, I mean, it was so clear that she gave him such a passion, you mm-hmm. know, for singing that he hadn't felt because he just you know didn't like his teacher which is such a a, the it's such a powerful thing like the connection with a teacher um the other thing that she did she praised Young for his soulful voice she just could not stop raving about how his voice would move people how his Mm -hmm. voice has the power to move people and you know said that she got like full body goosebumps and i just I love, love that it. she praised him. I think this is the first time in this American Hustle Life series 
that Young has received praise. Mm-hmm. And so I was obviously very moved by it. And I was like, thank you. She was like, ooh, like your voice is so soulful. She's like, people feel things when you sing. And mm. I'm like, yeah, that's very true. Very true. Yeah, I do think this is one of the first times that he was like, praised in this series and you could see on his face how much that meant to him mm-hmm. to hear that oh yeah mm-hmm. um the other thing was i think you know maybe she didn't realize ahead of time that yungi was a rapper and the other two were singers because she also differentiated for yungi adjusting his part from singing part to a rap and yungi said later in another little interview that she like wrote a rap in 20 minutes and how incredible she was to change the lyrics of this song to fit rap and you know it was very cool he didn't end up performing that version that she wrote because it was all in english and i think that was really tough for him at that time but Mm -hmm. um it was we did get to see a little bit of them practicing it together on that day and how cool that she did that for him so we love her you could tell she felt honored being able to teach them and that was what was special Mm-hmm. I think she, you know, thought that they were that they were special and just loved their passion. So moving into episode seven, at the beginning, they had just kind of some fun with Tony and Nay, and I just want to mention it because it felt just like fun and pure for all of them. They played a game of basketball with Tony and Nay and Namjoon, poor Namjoon. Like I think he got the short end of the stick for a lot of American Hustle Life, um, being the the leader of the group. And everything, I think they kind of, the cast members knew that going in. So he ended up keeping score and he just like acted as the announcer, which maybe was a blessing to him. Like maybe he really didn't want to play basketball. Yeah. But it was just fun seeing them all play and just have a good time. And Mm -hmm. of course, Yoongi like really getting into it. (laughs) Um, With his three pointers and layups. Yeah. 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 Namjoon kept yelling like, don't give Hobie the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give it to him. He was um, a great announcer. He was, yeah. Uh, so what they end up doing for this episode is they all have to work hard to make money, which is like a part of the American hustle, is taking kind of like grunt work jobs to make any sort of money they can. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of the American hustle. Right. So divided in their teams, they or different teams than they were before. They go and they have to do different cleaning things. So Namjoon and Yoongi went to a hotel and learned how to clean a hotel room. There was a very nice, like, I think the head of housekeeping, like, taught them how to do it. She was not rude, but she was definitely very particular in the way, like, Mm -hmm. in the way they made the bed. Everything had to be, like, lined up. Creases had to be in certain places. Everything was very specific, but, like, I think she was more informative, not, like, rude. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I only say that because we're going to deal with other rude people. But um, she said that it typically takes two maids 30 minutes to clean one room. And at the end of that, Namjoon told the camera that it took them almost two hours to do one room. There, yeah. but so that was that was a, a big deal for them and then they kind of had the choice like okay one of you is going to stay here and clean the other one of you is going to go down to the the restaurant downstairs there was a korean restaurant at the you know connected to the hotel so namjoon said since yungi was older he'd let him go have the easier job which was like washing dishes 
So Yoongi mm-hmm. went to the Korean restaurant and he was like talking to the lady like, hey, am I supposed to be here trying to communicate with her in English? And she was like, do you speak Korean in Korean? And he was like, oh, yeah, I speak Korean. And they started talking. Yeah, yeah uh, Just funny. instantly. I mean, it is funny, but the the look on his face where he just kind of felt like that little bit of home or like that little bit of comfort that I think mm-hmm. was really nice for him. So he mm-hmm. just went and he washed dishes and did some food prep. And he also finessed his way to getting some rice and some sides and he just looked so happy when he was eating the rice like I remember the like the Korean woman who ran the restaurant said like do you like it and he was like yes I like it like just sound like a cute (laughs) little baby (laughs) so cute so that was what they did yeah so then G cook they were paired up together And their kind of grunt work to make money, what they had to do is they had to go clean airplanes. And let me tell you, the directors of this show must have been instructed to tell these people to be dickheads, like just total (laughs) dickheads. Like this fucking guy that G Cook had to put up with, it was it was just like you could tell that he was he was scripted to be a dick. Like it was so unreal. It was so like who actually fucking says that? Yeah. Like it's just not realistic at all. It was and so obnoxious. Tell, yeah, you yeah. could tell that Jungkook and Jimin were both like seriously like really what the fuck yeah like why do we have to deal with this why can't they just act normal this dude first of all like i know he was probably told like to be rude but i don't think Mm -hmm. he was told to be this fucking rude and over the top because like the other people the the other people weren't like this you know the people that the other groups dealt with were not the i mean they might have been like okay guys you need to be with it or whatever like on their case but they're not being an asshole on purpose and this fucking dude with his little bluetooth in his ear acting like Ew. he has important business all the time that he always no, has he to doesn't. have the phone in his ear no you don't shut like nobody needs no. it um so like <laughs> this fucking here's just an example that we wrote down that we both I think after you watched this, you literally had to walk away and go rant to Corey. And yeah, I, just, I was livid. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is such bullshit. I, yeah. I can't believe they even got away with this. Like, it was so painful to watch. And he did such a bad job of being a dick that it was like, <laughs> it was, oh, it was just the worst. It's just like, infuriating to watch. So, like, here's, here's an <laughs> example of what an obnoxious douchebag this guy was. So... He, like, brought them over to, like, clean up trash off of the floor. Like, they didn't even Mm -hmm. show it that well on camera, but, like, organize a space or get it cleaned up, whatever. So, in the process of doing this, Jimin knocked over a half-drank can of Red Bull uh, while he was cleaning up this trash on the ground. Like, this is not his Red Bull. It's one of the shitty employees who worked there left a Red Bull, you know, Mm -hmm. somewhere. So... This guy happens to walk over like after this happened and Jimin's trying to like explain and the guy just flips out and he like he's holding like one of those mop bucket things that you use to squeeze the mop out. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. (laughs) It's like he brought that over for them to mop up or something. He was holding that and he literally like threw it and flipped it out and like it flew (laughs) on the ground. And he was like, are you even trying to help me here? And he goes into this little rant like, what if that were gasoline? If that were gasoline and a spark touched it, then suddenly it's on fire and you've burned down my entire building. And I was like, dude, 
It's a fucking really? can of Red Bull in a pile yeah. of trash. And you're yeah, going to go to... one of your piss poor employees <laughs> fucking left on the floor. So... Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to go to the extent of saying the building's going to burn down? Like, <laughs> it was so extreme. What if that were gasoline? <laughs> what the it fuck? Was, it was... It was so bad. And I just, when you watch it, it makes you infuriated. Yeah. And you look at Jungkook and Jimin, who are getting the translation of this, and you can see their faces are also like, what, what the, the hell fuck? is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this dude's problem? Yeah. <laughs> and then to top it off, what makes this even worse for them, I think they really just, this was shitty. They had to go in and clean out, like, the airplanes and stuff. And they left this 14-year-old boy in charge of them. And the the 14-year-old boy, I think, was just being like kind of a 14-year-old American boy. Right. I don't like, I think I don't think he was ill-meaning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he was just given the opportunity to like they probably instructed him, like, you get to boss around these two, these two other boys. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. And so it was just awful. And Jimin got so mad, but I do not blame him because they even got to a point where they had to like be put in timeout. Like they yeah. seriously put Jimin and Jungkook in timeout. And Be, which was it was over the dumbest shit. It was like they had already cleaned all of the little shit on the airplane and they were hosing it off. It was like the last task. And as they're hosing it off, like they kind of get in a little bit of a water fight with the hose. Not even anything crazy, but just like Jungkook on one side spraying off the the plane and Jimin on the other side. Like Jungkook's kind of trying to get Jimin wet on the other side. But mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were crazy off task, you know, and Mm-mm. the, again, this like asshole boss got so mad that he literally went and put them in timeout and made them sit back to back on some chairs, like in the hangar office. Yeah. It was so, so dumb. dumb. So dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Ugh, I don't blame Jimin for being mad either. He was so mad. He was like, the, the boss like got grease on his finger f- quote from the plane uh, mm-hmm. that they cleaned like he was like is this even clean and he like wiped the grease on Jimin's face and Jimin just stood there and let him do it and when they were in time out the producer was like why'd you let him put grease on your face and Jimin was just so over it you know yeah. the producer was like you can go to the bathroom and wash it off and he's like oh if I get up to wash this grease off he's not gonna like come yell at me like he was getting yeah. mouthy and before they left, he was like, do you have a piece of gum to Jungkook? Like, I want to go chew a piece of gum and stick it on the airplane. He was so mad. Like, it was yeah. not a good experience. <laughs> I feel like I'm being so negative. Like, no, we- <laughs> no, but there's definitely, it's a roller coaster. There's it's definitely a, ro- a lot of negative parts to it. There's a lot of people who are their mentors or people who are supposed to be teaching them uh, a lesson being here in this hip-hop scene in America. And it's not so much teaching them a lesson. It's more just being fucking shitty towards them. Mm-hmm. And and some of them aren't, and some of them are. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a roller coaster of a, of a television show. For sure. <sighs> Reality TV. Um, so, lastly, Tusok and Tay... Um, they went to clean this dude's boat. Who knows who the fuck this guy was? Like, he could have been anybody. Like, he was like... He looked like (laughs) some, like, L.A., like, 
I don't know. He, he surfer looks like bum a surfer, guy. like a beach bum. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I want to go out. I want to take the guys out this weekend on the boat. We need Our the boat party. clean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this boat looks like it's never been touched by human hands for cleaning purposes. <laughs> Um, and the, the boys even mentioned that they're like, no way this dude ever takes this boat out to party. It's never been cleaned. Mm, um, so they just, I mean, they're cleaning, they're like washing, scrubbing the deck and wiping down railings and Tay undoing the bare minimum. This guy's putting in his two cents of, okay, I was told to be harsh. But other than that, he doesn't talk to them. He doesn't no. really do much. Who knows where the fuck? I think he was hanging out in the bottom of the boat, like just like yeah. probably chilling on his phone. Like, oh, I, it's been 20 minutes. I got to go tell him to be on task. Like, yeah. So <laughs> really like the highlight of their time is that Jen and Hobie decide to like call the other members and fuck with them to be like, hey, what are you doing? And Jen is like, oh, we're on a yacht in the middle of the ocean. We're eating lobster and sashimi. Like, what are you? doing mm-hmm. we're living the and life it really right now pisses them off it yeah. does especially jim and like you could see him just the rage <laughs> bubbling up inside of him yeah the rage behind the smile he's trying to plaster on his face he's so mad <laughs> uh but in the end they all they all end up getting money for what they had done but yeah i think the money that they got paid obviously was just from the show and was way too much money for the like day work like as a a, you know a housekeeper at a hotel no way you're making what how much did they make like four hundred dollars five hundred and fifty or something that they made Mm -hmm. for two of them no fucking way that you're gonna make 250 in a day like you're gonna make 75 100 bucks like it's not gonna be yeah um but Namjoon and Yoongi, they ended up making the most money. But when they got the money, Tony and Nate told them, actually, you guys aren't keeping the money. We're giving back to the less fortunate. And so they decide to go to Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And they walked around and they provided food. And I don't know what else they provided for them. But yeah. things of necessity, I would think, yeah. to the homeless people in Skid Row. And they asked them for advice for aspiring artists. Mm -hmm. And so they all offered like really, really meaningful and great advice. Like be true to who you are, things that BTS stand for now, Mm -hmm. today. Uh, And they said like a lot of them said you're not you're not going to make it if you're not doing it for you or if you're not if you're trying to mock what someone else does, like you're not going to. You're not going to make it far. You got to do what you what you want to do and how you want to present yourself. Do what you know, you know. Yeah. So one man said, never forget where you came from. And I felt like that was really impactful to them because that was one of those times where they're thinking about who they are and Mm -hmm. what they have to bring to you know to the music scene to the music industry um Mm -hmm. kind of at the end of episode seven we were both kind of wondering what bts thinks about american hustle life now um the experiences that they had up to this point in the series have like we've said been a roller coaster and so we're kind of wondering 
if they look back on their time there and if they do what they think when they look back, because there's so many negatives, but there's so many positives. And Mm -hmm. even though like the premise of the show was like, you're going to come learn about American hip hop culture. I don't think that ended up really being the focus. The main focus was really just like BTS's own personal growth and development. And I think we both do feel like they did that throughout this process. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, going on to episode eight, uh, this episode had their concert, which I had no idea that the entire like last episode of this series was going to be a little concert. And it was incredible. Yeah, um, it was just their concert that they performed in L.A., which was their first concert ever in the States. First concert in the States. So like. I'm conflicted because I think it kind of sucks that their first concert in the States is for like a reality TV show. But at the same time, like that is such a historic moment. So we are very excited to talk about this concert. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing that I noticed uh, when we see the concert is the fans that are there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many fans of so many ages, even then in 2014, I saw people, I saw very young, like preteens all the way to Mm -hmm. full blown adults um, and just everybody all screaming their heads off for BTS. Mm -hmm. Uh, The venue was the Trobador um, Mm -hmm. there in LA and it was just packed on the floor, on the sides, on the balcony, packed. Mm -hmm. So... And before this, too, they had gone and handed out, like, handouts of, like, saying, please come to our concert and stuff, which a lot of people look back on now and say, like, BTS really did work their way from the bottom to where Mm -hmm. they are now. But not only did they have, they recruited those people, but they were actual BTS fans that attended this concert. So it was really cool to see, like, 2014 LA, people of all ages there, knowing the lyrics and singing along with them. Yeah, so this was like a free concert and yeah, they did they printed out like 200 flyers and went and handed them out and they didn't even think that those people like 200 people would show up at all. And I'm not sure how many of the people that they actually handed out flyers to were there because really the entire venue seemed just packed full of army, packed full of people who knew their music, who knew their songs, like who knew that they were there in LA. Um, so when I'm sure that they tweeted out that they were having this, you know, surprise concert and everybody, everybody went, it was crazy. So Mm -hmm. we really want to say if there is a a long shot that anyone who listens to this podcast actually went to this concert, please, please email us at standingbtspodcast at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear your firsthand experience of the show. I don't know why you haven't reached out to us yet because this is need to know information. We honestly, we would have you on the podcast. Like just yeah, we to hear. Like, we need to call in someone who is, who has been to this, this BTS's first concert in the States. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's a big fucking deal. So yeah, mm-hmm. if, if you have, if you went to this or if you know someone who went to it, like, please let us know. Yeah. We'd love to hear your experience. Yeah. Um, so at the actual concert, they kind of performed everything that they had done for all the competitions leading up to now and all the previous episodes. Mm-hmm. So one of the performances that they ended up doing was their versions of Regulate. 
So BTS's covers, their their little groups that they were in, they performed it. And so they put the the lyrics up on the like like captions below for the concert. And that was really great because you got to read what they wrote and the lyrics that they wrote and developed on their own. Mm-hmm. So for Young and Jungkook and Yoongi, it was really well put together. And I think that had a lot to do with Yoongi being able to put it together like that. But seeing Young through this series, he's really young. He's still like learning a lot. He's still growing a lot. Um, but he, his verse, he talked about feeling as if he's stuck in his youth, kind of mm-hmm. like Peter Pan. And I just thought like that was really interesting because being put into this very large, um, demanding industry of K-pop music, he is so young and is so young and to just kind of express his his struggles with that. Because he that has to be so mature and grown, grown up. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah. Um, I really loved Namjoon and Jimin's verse. I wrote down that it slaps because it totally does. They did a fantastic <laughs> job. Um, I kind of talked about earlier how much they struggled in their working together with their dance and with their um, regulate cover with their lyrics. But um, mm-hmm. the reason why they struggled is because they struggled to find common ground to write about. Obviously, Namjoon as a lyricist was approaching this in a way of how can we both, how can we talk about different things, but you know, have a theme for our verse. And so what they ended up writing about and speaking about is their own insecurities. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to go into like their lyrics. I think you guys can look it up. You can find this song on SoundCloud, but that's what they both ended up kind of speaking on and pulling from, um, which I thought was very cool and definitely a, min june type of thing to bond and kind of grow Mm -hmm. over that mutual insecurity that they both have um and then to turn it into art and wow they did a great job with it yeah and i also have to mention i texted the exact lyrics to you but of course they're lost and i don't know what it was exactly (laughs) but nam june in his verse he he says something like who am i or like who is the real me that's what he says and like that's is that's just crazy to me because like here we are now with persona just being released somewhat recently and his name changing from what was at the time of american hustle life rap monster to rm which he says stands for real me and he rapped real me in his version of regulate back in 2014 literally okay so i just pulled up the lyrics um the part you're talking about he says my miserable life where is the real me i'm not good at any i'm not good at everything i keep getting distressed it's like the same themes that he's always Mm -hmm. and i i hate that he's been struggling and working through this for so long but i also Mm -hmm. love that this is like a consistency that he continues to identify as a problem within himself and continues to make art and music about because so many other people deal with the same thing um Mm -hmm. so that was so cool that it came through then and he's writing about that like in persona now Mm -hmm. very cool yeah very cool uh, Two Sock, they were both really high energy. You could tell they had a lot of fun together. 
their lyrics were really meaningful. I had quoted Hobie's lyrics earlier where he ends up rapping, uh, rhythm is life, life is rhythm. Uh, and he just really talks talks about dancing and how meaningful it is to him. Yeah. Uh, later on in the concert, some of the things that come up are like the some of their tutors and instructors had come and attended the concert, including Iris. And seeing Iris attend this concert and seeing her in the audience, like I for reals teared up yeah. during American Hustle <laughs> Life watching this. I was like, she went to their concert. Uh, just we love Iris. We do. So like so at the end of their tutoring sessions, they each offered their tutor, their mentor, like an invitation to the concert. Of course, the mm-hmm. dancing instructor that Min June had did not come. Um, no. But Iris was there and Foz was also there. And it was very cool to see them there supporting them uh, mm-hmm. in their in their first American concert. How cool. Yeah. And when Tusak went up to perform their beatboxing uh, that they had practiced and performed earlier in the series. Foz actually came out on stage with them and performed with them, which goes to show that they spent time behind the scenes, like making something extra special. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they invited him and he was like, well, if I'm coming, I'm performing with you or something like I could yeah. so see that happening. It was so uh, cool. I mean, they all vibed special. together so well when he came on stage. Mm-hmm. And then something that also stood out to me was just, Getting to see the performance for Happy Day with Young, Yoongi, and Jungkook. Just seeing them perform Happy Day, which is this, like, gospel song. Mm-hmm. It, to me, showed how versatile BTS are. Yeah. Like, the pure skill, the pure talent and love for all forms of art. I, I mean, Jungkook is 16 at this age, and he's able to appreciate this song even though maybe they're not religious or whatever, but they still went out and they felt the spirit that like Iris feels when she sings songs like this because she really passed that passion on to them. And so seeing them perform this and have fun with it and be into it and pull it off mm-hmm. and the whole audience was into it too. Yeah. Like I'm sure people were confused, but it was like, wow, they, they can really do anything. Just seeing Iris beam down at them from the balcony mm-hmm. and how joyful she was for how incredible they were performing this song was, I mean, that was all I needed to see and mm-hmm. to just love that performance. So special. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really loved also that you hadn't pointed out yet was when BTS performed Like It, just hearing army everybody in the audience sing the song back at bts like word for word all the even the korean like the fan chants everything i just think how incredible that must have felt for them like we've said multiple times this is their first performance mm-hmm. in the united states this was a, supri- a surprise concert it was a free mm-hmm. concert it was a concert that they didn't even think 200 people would come to and here they are performing not even one of like mm-hmm. the best known songs from the album. I mean, obviously one that has stood the test of time, um, mm-hmm. but the entire audience was singing along with them. And yeah. I just think that is so cool. And that must have been one of those moments where they were like, wow, we have an international fan base like people in america like like us we have fans here i have chills right now i just gave myself chills this is such bullshit Mm -hmm. but like no bts is so incredible and i just i i wish that i could feel that moment for them because 
I I just hope I think if they do think back on American Hustle Life, I think they think about that concert and remember it as being so special. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So after the concert, you know, they're wrapping up the series. So the way that they wrap up the series is by saying goodbye. Um, So they say goodbye to Tony and Nate back at the dorm. And this was kind of a really sweet moment between them. Um, Tony and Nate got to say a few words and then each member said something meaningful to Tony and Nate about the time that they spent together and what they learned Mm -hmm. and how much they appreciated them. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. very cool. Each member said something different and said something obviously personal and real to them. Um, Definitely not a scripted conversation. Um, Nate said that BTS inspired him because of their hard work, dedication, and talent. And he also said that they deserve to be number one, which was very cool to see something from back in 2014, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody who was with them during the entire time of filming to, you know, you would think Tony and Nate kind of have the best feel for them there. And for them to say, you guys are so talented, you deserve to be number one. They saw it. Very cool. They, they saw, saw it. it. Yeah. Yeah. They they knew it um, over their time with BTS. I That's what being with them and working with them brought them to, to say, you deserve to be number one. Mm-hmm. And that really stood out, especially now in 2019, looking back at 2014, that people, complete strangers to them at the time, are saying like, wow, yeah, these boys deserve to be number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really both Tony and Nate, they've continued their friendship with BTS to this day and continue to support them on like social media. They still talk. I know Tony, I'm pretty sure every time it's Jimin's birthday, he makes some sort of birthday tweet for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, their friendship is really cute. Um, Which we, you guys, we didn't even talk about Tony and Nate this episode, but like you all know, like, you know, we're trying to cover eight, eight episodes of a show and one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we really just want to give our general remarks now Mm -hmm. here at the end of the experience of getting to take in all of these episodes that went, that had taken place in 2014, like the start of BTS when they're working on their dark and wild album. Yeah. Uh, even though it was 2014, watching this, to me, BTS really are still very much the same. Mm-hmm. They are seeing them interact with each other, just sitting on the couch when no one's around, just cameras on them, interacting. It's like I felt like I was watching a run episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, At very, times, yeah. Yeah, like very similar. Um, but also what I learned from American Hustle Life is how truly truly wonderful it is that they are seven Mm -hmm. because seeing them perform in pairs or in threes to me you could see the skill but not like the level of skill and talent you see when they're all seven performing together Mm -hmm. especially here at the end when you get to see them perform at this concert and like hearing even those like little mints that they gave in between I'm like wow I, I just it's it's a BTS concert. It, it's them. They look incredible. They look so skillful, so talented. Uh, and so I just really think that they perform best as seven, like yeah. best team. 
cannot <laughs> overemphasize how incredible that concert was, how well they did. I mean, their energy level and just everything that they were doing was so good. Episode and eight was the best episode. It was. It was a great way <laughs> it to really end was. it. Yeah. Um, something that was, I think, highlighted when they were split up in pairs or groups of three is not just their skills and talents, but the places where they were lacking in certain skills or talents that were deemed necessary for the hip hop style. So like mm-hmm. um, they might have been asked to do things that they have been weaker in, such as beatboxing or writing lyrics or street dancing. We're like, we know there are some members in the group that might be strong in beatboxing or writing lyrics or street dancing, obviously. Yeah but then other members in the group that are weaker in that so it was cool to see them like struggle and persevere together and that's I think where Mm -hmm. we talk about like the growth that they went through as a group um the development that they went through throughout this whether or not like this really influenced their music style or you know because we know after 2014 they definitely moved away from like the hip-hoppy dark and wild was like a little hip-hoppy a little kind of like rock you know style but they definitely have moved far away from that they obviously still do rap and have like yeah you know hip-hop style songs hip-hop influences yeah right but Mm -hmm. it's not the main thing yeah I do think that they learned a lot. Mm-hmm. They learned a lot. I think they made a lot of connections. I think they got exposed to yeah. American media and to the States and internationally. I think that a lot of K-pop groups and K-pop music industry people, like I think a strategy they use is reality TV shows for sure. um, to bring exposure to them. But for this to take place in America, I think was extra special because it is such a like big hub for music all over yeah so yeah i i think it was a learning experience for them i think they were all grateful for some of the things that they learned but definitely there are downsides to it there was a lot of mistreatment towards them um and just really kind of cruel moments that was like was this really necessary Mm -hmm. to be a part of the learning process right and that's not exaggeration to say cruel moments like there really were Mm -hmm. um and uh but they definitely had some great learning moments i think gained incredible perspective that they would not have gotten and you're right Mm -hmm. like the exposure that they got from doing this is Mm -hmm. insurmountable like definitely i think contributing to their success after that um because they just became so much better known by the korean audience like this was not a show meant for international fans it wasn't ever put on youtube or broadcast on american television it was just Mm -hmm. on mnet but to you know for a korean audience to see bts um in this aspect in the state struggling through that and also like having these american fans and whatever like they might have been like wow like they're a big deal and then yeah they're resilient too resilient as fuck and the times when we get to see them perform and actually see their talent they're incredible so Mm -hmm. i could see somebody standing bts after watching this you know yeah yeah anyways definitely i overall enjoyed it I did too. A lot of people say it's hard to watch and it's cringy to watch, but I encourage a lot of ARMY or all of ARMY to go and watch it yeah. because it was a, a, I think, a historic part for BTS and their career and their success. For sure. So 
if you liked this bonus episode and if you've liked <laughs> any of our previous episodes, there's a few things you can do to let us know. You can write us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. When we get to 400 reviews on iTunes, you guys, we'll do another bonus episode. So if you like yeah. this one, if you liked <laughs> voting on the topic, you know, and you haven't written a review yet, go write one. Um, we would also love to hear your feedback about this episode or any of our other episodes. And you can do that by emailing us or by reaching out to us on any of our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find links for all of those things in the description. In the description. Thanks for listening and thanks for standing BTS.